and welcome to episode 74 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host as always Martin Bushby and joining me is Benno and Benno, how are you mate? Um, vaccine's been rolled out, government roadmap out of lockdown, you you excited for the summer yet? Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of it's sneaking up. Uh, I mean, you know, me and you, Martin, uh, as as men of a certain age, we're not too far. Uh, our age group is not too far away from getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I know uh, you've had it yourself uh, already through work, but yeah, for me, it's uh, it's st- still a little while off, but it's coming. And yeah, it'll be nice to have a little bit of uh, normality coming up if we if we can even just get back to the way it was like last last autumn or so and uh, last last summer when we were all able to you know at least go to the pub and sit outside you know uh, those kind of little victories uh, don't feel like they're going to be too far away now so yeah I'm kind of quietly hopeful yeah I had my uh, second vaccine this week so I'm like Iron oh you've had both now. now yeah I'll be Iron Man in a week so yeah. <laughs> Bill Gates in your bloodstream oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, Benno, um, you better tuck your shirt in and put that cigarette out as uh, oh, man- management's here this week. Um, he's taken the lift <laughs> all the way from the top of Post Towers down to the basement to join us this month. As uh, None other than the man himself, Mr. Wei Ting, is joining us this week. Wei, thanks for coming on the show with us this month. You know, somehow I, I've I've gotten past these COVID restrictions, and I've I've gotten on a plane and just you know didn't even even need the quarantine. Just uh, ended up right in the the the, the lovely estates of uh, the British wrestling experience. So thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. No, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. I mean, uh, we've been, just been talking there about you know it's going to look like we're getting back to some levels of normalcy in the UK by the end of June. How's it? How's it going over there in Canada? Um, what about the vaccine rollout and things like that? Ooh, yeah. Um, I I would say uh, by and large, I think the public opinion has that has been that the government has really um, not done a great job with their vaccine rollout. Um, I've certainly been hearing from like, you know, our friends in the States, our friends in the UK that they've done a bit better than we have, which is sad because I think uh, I feel like Canada was doing really well with um, COVID management um, for the past year. But when it comes to this and maybe some of it's out of our government's hands, but I, you know, I, I do have to say um, I, I feel like we would have been further along than we are right now. Um, and so the summer, I, you know, we're at the point now, like much, like much, much of the other parts of the world where it feels like financially, like so many of our businesses just can't really seem to be taken, um, and any more, uh, damage. So we, we are starting to, um, they have the, like, I don't know what, what you guys do over there, but we have like colored coded, um, lockdown, um, tiers, I suppose. And we've just moved into the gray zone, and I don't even really know what gray means, <laughs> but it's one step b- before red uh, or after red. I don't know. Yeah, we, but had, basically, we kind of had a numbered system. It was like zones. Yeah. Was it one, two, and three, Benno, I think. They've got rid of that now, but yeah, it was it was just as confusing as a colored system anyway. Like, where do you even find this? I guess you find it on a website, but like, man, like, good luck telling, you know, my my 80 year old mother, like what any of this stuff means. But basically to to us, what it means is that malls have recently reopened. Uh, Indoor dining is still not allowed yet. And that I think has been these decisions like 
the, our numbers aren't really they're lowering, but they're only going to be lowering temporarily because I think the more you open up, the more you'll see them rise up. So I think our our only hope right now is just this vaccine rollout being a a bit more um, faster. Um, so I, I'm happy to hear, uh, Benno, that that or, or sorry, uh, Martin, that you've had uh, both your shots. Have you had any, uh, Benno? Like I'm just how widespread is the availability right now? Yeah, they're kind of going by like groups of like age and stuff so like my my mom is uh she's 57 and she's just just uh made the, the cut for the like the next round and then i think they're gonna go down in ages from there so for me being uh being in my 30s i think i'm i'm somewhere in the queue and hopeful that you know it's gonna come at, at some point in the year but yeah they're kind of doing it like that so uh yeah no time soon for me but uh, yeah as soon as it's available i'll be i'll be taking it um because i just had to i just want to get out there and and live a little bit normal even even if i think that that's the thing isn't it you know you say about you know the the little things where yeah okay yeah maybe restaurants can open or or maybe we can you know meet more people than we have already or travel more than we can even if it's a case of like all having to wear masks and all having to continue to social distance for the rest of the year i'll take it you know after this last year we've all had uh, any little victory like that sounds good um but yeah our, our government i suppose you probably agree martin is kind of they promise a lot so we're all very dubious aren't we like that that june date it's it's two days after my birthday june the 21st apparently uh things are going to be 100 percent back to normal then I don't know if you're the same, Martin. I believe that when I see it is probably the thing. Yeah, it's funny because uh, we, me and Lisa booked tickets for a festival that's happening like the f- second week of July and mm-hmm. um, last year. And they're all like, yeah, if the rollout continues, you know, that's going to be going ahead. So that'll be like my, my first big event coming out of like the full UK lockdown. We'll be going to a festival with about 10,000 people. So. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, talk about jumping in the deep end, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, but as, I do, as, as far as our government goes, they just looked out ordering a load of the vaccine. It just so happened that, you know, and, and rushed it through, didn't they? And it just so happens mm. it's going well for them. So there was no sort of like, you know, there's no praise to give there. They just looked, completely looked out on it, didn't they? But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, no. I was listening to uh, Rewinder away this week. Uh, way and um yeah it seems you have more connections to the uk than we thought are you saying that you've got um a bunch of relatives that live in newcastle of all places oh wow yes 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 i went to the uk to visit them i would say probably like uh 20 years ago at this point and uh yeah i mean as you know uh of course uh i was born under british rule in uh hong kong and I think for that reason, I mean, Hong Kong and like, I, you know, England, like, you know, when I came to Canada, it was like sort of one of several popular destinations for, um, you know, immigration for people from Hong Kong. And yeah, I guess among them would be other kind of like, you know, um, uh, Commonwealth countries such as Australia, Canada and, you know, very much uh, the UK. Actually, I probably have had several cousins move over there at least for schooling, if not for, for uh, you know, permanently. And I think I, at this point I have a, a few, now even more so than before. Um, I don't know how up-to-date you guys are with, like, what's going on in Hong Kong, but, like, now you're, you're starting to see a whole lot more people, um, you know, think about leaving. So maybe I'll have even more connections to come in the U.K. Do you have any uh, overriding memories of, of your time in Newcastle? Did you come back oh. supporting Newcastle <laughs> Football Club or <laughs> Uh, I did not. I I can't say I have any overwhelming 
um, memories. I remember um, lining up for the bus, and this old lady asked us if we, if if we queued over oh where we were from. Like, oh God, that 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 was really you know it's not a very pleasant memory, I suppose, but it also was like oh adorable. Like it, it was like sort of a. Um, a very a, a bit of an authentic, I suppose, um, encounter. Um, but you know, I, I I honestly don't have too many prevailing memories. It was more of a family trip, and that we kind of used to like springboard to other parts of of uh, Europe as well. So, um, I definitely have more memories of like London. You know, I spent a lot more time, yeah. you know, there uh, on my own outside of family uh, when I left. Um, school and, and kind of took a Euro trip uh, with with a friend and I I mean I love London it's 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 just fun um, it's it's a metropolis and I think you know um, a place I, I would love to revisit it's also very expensive so mm. uh, there's that as well you don't need to tell us that Mark um, way where we're northerners so like anything if I, the thing with London is a pint cost you more than a fiver therefore you know for, for me and Martin that's just that's ridiculous we're from the <laughs> we're from the other end where I suppose actually it's getting like that now anyway isn't it Martin up here but that's that's kind of how we judge things so that makes sense to us um but yeah we, we'll 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 adopt you as an honorary northerner I reckon way with, with the Newcastle link we'll have to get you a, a Newcastle United top or something for Christmas next year I think that there uh, I think you can pull that off that with a post hat I think it'd be a good look uh, yeah I'd, I'd, that would be great I'll work on my accent right now wasn't there <laughs> some wild rumour the other year that Vince McMahon was going to buy Newcastle as well yeah that always comes up doesn't it like that anytime there's like the tabloids need like a like a fun story or Vince McMahon or Shane McMahon or or somebody is looking at getting into Premier League football and, uh, and buying Newcastle yeah that, always, you, that always comes up over time you think he's actually a fan I'd be I doubt it. if he's even heard of them. <laughs> the I, place I don't know where this rumour came from, but it seems to come up every so often. Mm, yeah, I suppose they're a big team, aren't they, in a, in a big city. So, you know, if they're going to buy anybody, maybe it would be them. But uh, there we go. We could see that. We could see uh, the McMahons with Newcastle going up against the uh, the Khan family with uh, with Fulham. Uh, right yeah. itself. <laughs> maybe you just, like, Googled football, like, <laughs> and, you know, see what it was, saw what was available, and that was it. <laughs> You can't compete with those Saudi billionaires buying sort of like Man City and the like, but you know I'm sure you can buy Mike Ashley out there now. But um, <laughs> anyway, shall we uh, shall we move on some wrestling that we're uh, we're here to talk about this month? Because obviously it has been a, a crazy month in Brit Rest. Um, yeah, so obviously the reason I wanted to get way on the show this month, because um, obviously, you know, me and Benno are sort of knee-deep in, in Brit Rest, and I wanted someone who's, you know, opinion people respect and stuff to also look at this stuff with us so it's not just me and Benno sort of like regurgitating the same stuff again. And um, I suppose it, it, there's been a lot of information, a lot of statements made, a lot of controversy up in this month, so I'll do my best to sort of like go down it and then we can sort of give our opinions on it, because... Um, the Progress did announce their comeback show, Chapter uh, 105, on the 13th of February. And, uh, you know, tapings had taken place prior to this at uh, the Theatre Peckham. Um, I think sometime in January it was reported. We talked about it on the show last month. And um, he announced uh, a natural progression series featuring a number of wrestlers and uh, the winner of that getting a shot at the Progress champion, Cara Noir. And uh, the show also announced that it was going to screen on the WWE Network on the 20th of February. And... Uh, 
Following this announcement, um, a rumour started to circulate on Twitter and other social media that Paul Robinson had been involved backstage as an agent for these shows. I mean, um, I can't actually remember. When, when did the rumour start, Benno? Um, I think it, I think it was that week in the, in the run-up to the shows. Um, I think that it was just something that, you know, it was like a a, a rumour that I think a, a Twitter record, like a, a progress um you know, an account mock and progress on on Twitter. Uh, something Brewdog Wrestling or something made the initial comments, uh, and then it did it did start to pick up steam. Um, and I think yeah, I spoke to a couple of people with with knowledge of it who who seemed to believe it was true as well. It was like a, it was like Chinese whispers at the start, but it it just didn't it didn't go away. I suppose is uh, is what happened. Yeah, because obviously Robinson had been named during speaking out uh, specifically mm-hmm. in relation to the girl making accusations about a number of talent in IPW UK around 2014. Um, the statements have been removed from Twitter, but um, I think uh, that whole story is on bodyslam.net. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. fans were clamoring for progress to confirm whether Robinson had been used backstage or not. You know, um, they were silent for a number of days before releasing a statement on their website. Uh, the first statement they released said the company stated that both talent and crew were subject to their screening processes and that everyone had passed their safer vetting procedure, which had been approved by Ancraft Trust and ratified by Equity. And they also went on to say that, you know, nobody presented any issues with choices of uh, people used for the show. Um, obviously, no mention of Robinson in that initial statement. And then um, we got to the 20th and the show was screened on the WWE Network with fans still asking the company if Robinson had been involved with the show and that was met with no response. And then... Um, a couple of days after the screen of the of the first show, um, the company released a statement confirming that uh, Paul Robinson had been working on the shows and that they'd needed his permission to be named publicly and that he was originally supposed to be an in-ring competitor on the card and that all talent had been made aware of who would be working the tapings and no issues were raised by anybody. And um, they also provided an email address for anyone with any further information. Then following this, they were still getting... Um, Hammered on social media by fans, um, they released another statement on the 25th saying that um, there'd been a review of the allegations made on Twitter and conversations had been had with Paul Robinson. It was determined that he didn't present a risk to talent and staff. And as of 25th of February, they decided to part ways with progress. And um, I mean, there's more to this with uh, Paul Robinson making a statement that we'll get into later. But uh, I mean, following speaking out last summer, Progress um, had changed their team to that of John Briley as the sole owner, Lucy Cave as uh, Safeguarding and Digital Communications, and then James Amner, who was overseeing the company operations. And, um, you know, they stated in the original statement that no, the talent would be scrutinized and the high standards expected from them and that no stone would be left unturned. And um, then uh, there was a lot of information to uh, process there, and it was... I suppose the the first talking point here is that this is the first show back for progress and obviously a lot of fans rightly feeling let down with their lack of transparency over using Paul Robinson backstage on this first show. Yeah, definitely. And that's the that's the, the key word. I mean we're a few weeks removed from it now, so I suppose we can kinda of look at it a little bit more from a from like a bird's eye view, but I think the reason there was such you know, loud voices about this, and because um, the reason it became such a, a hot button issue is it's you say that transparency, it's that word. Um, I think the other key word is trust. I think what happened last year with this scene is that we all lost whatever trust we had left um, for British wrestling companies, and I think we've all expected uh, companies to be coming back this year we've seen you know the likes of progress put safeguarding documents on their website and and talk the talk and what we would 
all hope, you know, when these promotions do return to shows is that they, they then walk the walk with it as well. Um, and I think it comes down to that. It comes down to trust and it comes down to transparency. Um, and yeah, I think that's, it is, it was very disheartening, you know, being in the, in the thick of it, seeing, you know, progress fall at that, that first hurdle. Um, I think at a, at an absolute minimum, I think you have to expect and hope that promotions will be, you know, whatever their decision is about who they use on the show, be clear about who they use on the show. And when asked and when challenged, you know, be clear about their answer about who is, is on the show, or even in this case, you know, working backstage at the show. Um, I think that is, that is a fair minimum to expect from promotions. And as you've just kind of laid out there, it took two to three statements before, you know, progress eventually clarified, you know, that Paul Robertson had worked backstage at the shows. They tried to kind of say, well, the wrestlers backstage were, were, were happy with that. Therefore, you know, we were happy with that. But, you know, that explanation, I suppose, of uh, of their decision-making uh, left, you know, people like myself uh, and others kind of a little bit aghast at that, that that was their final decision. But, you know, more than anything, just aghast that it, it took that amount of public pressure way after the first show with already aired um, to finally, you know, uh, come clean with that and, and, and yeah, make clear um, what their decision-making process is. And, yeah, that's – you say it there at the top, Martin, I think – it's show one. I mean, even if you are somebody who looks at looks at this, you know, it looks at it very black and white and for whatever reason determines that, you know, despite Paul Robinson, the allegations against Paul Robinson and despite, you know, him being one of the people named in speaking out, you think at some point, um, you know, Paul Robinson should be able to return to wrestling or you think Paul Robinson should not be banned from, from wrestling forever. Even if you think that from a purely... PR perspective and just from a purely common sense perspective and purely really from a trust perspective show one um, is not the place uh, for somebody like Paul Robinson to be working backstage he was you know was named in speaking out and yeah for me it was it was progress wrestling falling at the first hurdle um, in this case so where you're watching this from sort of like the, you know, the other side of the pond, so to speak, and obviously you weren't as ingrained in the UK scene as, say, me and Benno, you weren't, you know, going to progress shows and maybe sort of like watching every on-demand release. What was it, your sort of like impressions sort of like watching this unfold in the past uh, month or so? Well, first, let me let me say that um, I I don't know how, like how much this was really discussed outside of UK wrestling Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely, I mean, obviously speaking out was something that rocked the entire industry, but um, something, I suppose um, like this happening in, in February, I didn't see get much press, um, you know, outside of uh, perhaps, you know, following uh, people such as yourselves, if, if you maybe primarily followed like kind of American, wrestling journalists or North American wrestling journalists. I, I don't exactly know how much play this would have had. Uh, it didn't, I, I, I could say for myself, didn't feel like an all encompassing sort of like story that was on the tops of people's minds that week. So I think there's that first thing. Um, but you know, after becoming aware of it and seeing it all play out, I, I mean, I think I echo a lot of your t- sentiments, Benno. Um, it's, it's a situation where it very much 
you know, we're in a state right now, whether it be due to COVID or due to speaking or due to any, any several other issues, we any sort of media producers um, who have been somewhat like criticized, um, they're in a state where they need to make their audience feel comfortable with uh, consuming their product and maybe, maybe paying the money to watch that product uh, in the future. And certainly with uh, speaking out, that has direct ramifications on how uh, a company, um, you know, carries itself and what protocols that it institutes. It seems like progress has spoken a lot or said a lot. And, 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 but with this first step, they, they probably really underestimated how much I think um, their audience would mind. And to me, feels like they, you know, felt like they would be able to, uh, omit certain details without facing this amount of criticism, and obviously that's very different. My question for for both of you is: If they were transparent about Paul Rob- Robinson's, um, uh, you know, um, employment uh, at, at these tapings from the get go, um, what, how do you think that would have been met? I still think they would have met been met with some derision, but at least you know, then they are being transparent and honest. And then, you know, even if they'd have gone even further and said, you know, you know, we've discussed this with him and he's gone maybe through some, you know, sensitivity training or he's done this or he's done that. But I, I suppose even if they had said it's the first show, you know, at this, and it, it's got to be whiter than white, hasn't it? You know, you know, yeah. different levels to allegations, you know, don't use anyone who's been used, who's even linked to speaking out whatsoever, I think, Benham. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that whiter than white is what you want. I think it is, the difficulty is you are, you, I think I think as a company, we, we're expecting progress to make moral decisions. And unfortunately, you know, businesses aren't always going to make the moral decision that we agree with. Again, you know, to, to say clearly, I I don't think I would touch Paul Robinson anytime soon whatsoever. Um, but even if you take that that moral position out of it and you're a progress and you think, you know, yes, Paul Rob Paul Robinson is one of our our loyal guys and you know, we we have taken his, you know, side of events for, for, for gospel or, you know, we you know, we believe it's not as cut and dry as, you know, people out there on, on Twitter think. And for whatever reason they want to be stubborn and, and continue to, to use Paul Robinson. It's again. It's show one. <laughs> it's just like I can't. I can't get past that. Using Paul Robinson was so important in a role where you know he was an agent backstage. You know, and we've you know seen reports that he was an agent for the for the women's Thunder Bastard match. Like there was no one else who could do that role. That was that was you know important enough that 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 you had that you had to do it on your first show. Um, yeah, I just I can't I can't get past that point. But yeah, to, you know, to, to Wade's question, yeah, I, th- I think if 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 they if they were transparent about this, if they if they said you know from the top, here are all the people on the show, here are all the people backstage. You know, one thing you know maybe gets lost in these statements is they do directly say you know their original plan was to use Paul Robinson on the show as a wrestler um, until you know they said there was some kind of scheduling conflict, which uh, we're all a bit unclear on what that is. I suppose at least at that point, I think 
there would absolutely have been, you know, a lot of the same vitriol and a lot of the same, you know, pushback on progress making that decision that people disagreed with. But I think it would be at least tamed somewhat by the fact that, okay, yes, you know, not only do the wrestlers at the show get to make that decision of they're comfortable working with Paul Robinson, fans then, you know, get to make that decision. Am I comfortable, you know, giving money to progress on demand or even just endorsing the show by by watching it along, you know, live or, you know, putting my, you know, doing the you know the minimum of you know liking tweets about it and, and writing about it and writing reviews about it at least then people would be informed um and i think that that it that was so important and again um is another one of the failures uh, from progress on this are we sort of like um i suppose this question's for both of you but are we sort of like expecting a bit too much obviously you know we've talked ad nauseum on this show about how this is no longer sort of like the independent progress you know they're under the wwe banner and you know WWE, uh, you know, have made it quite clear that they're happy to use, you know, the likes of sort of like Matt Riddle and sort of like Velveteen Dream despite accusations against them. And, you know, Triple H will be asked about it in a press conference. And he's like, yeah, we looked into it. And, you know, as far as he's concerned, that's it. It's over. He's answered that. And you don't want any more questions about it. I suppose, Wade, are we we expecting too much now that they're going to be under such a big company as WWE? It's an interesting question you bring up because certainly that that's kind of the perspective that I might be looking at this from. That's my comparison point. It's mm. it's the WWE, like really. I'm not going to say they're not batting an eye at this stuff because they are. But uh, as far as like public statements about these things, I don't. I really feel like they've largely kind of like, you know, swept it under the rug. Um, like just look at, you know, Velveteen Dream. Look, I mean, look at uh, uh, all these cases of, of guys that they're um, it, uh, until proven guilty. I think they, you know, much of their um, opinion is um, they're not. And yeah, it's it's a very kind of complicated, complicated issue to talk about. But I certainly don't know if I would expect that level um of transparency from the wwe and that's only because traditionally i just wouldn't i've never seen any anything like that from them uh so i have a lower opinion of what to expect now i don't have the opinion with progress as you guys do uh not really understanding like how that company was run how transparent they were in the past with their audience so if they have sort of that legacy of you know authenticity attached to their name I think it's not wrong to expect that same thing, even under new ownership. Do you think mm-hmm. it was all just marketing, Benno, that, that this every, where everyone's welcome, you know, or we're the open company? Because they did have some small controversies in the past, you know, pre-WWE as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we can absolutely say that at this point, because, you know, the, 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 I mean, progress built themselves on being a, you know, all inclusive, everybody welcome. We're all part of one community, you know, we're all friends here. Situation where, you know, it was a company I often talk about, you know, progress along with ICW and Fight Club Pro as being, you know, the centerpiece of what happened at Speaking Out. And a lot of the reason a lot of, you know, the the stories we heard in Speaking Out came about was because of that breakdown of barrier, I suppose, between, you know, friends between fans and, and wrestlers and that whole we're all friends mantra we're all in this together mantra that that progress was built in that sense of community and and belonging um that was pushed uh, by progress's management 
you know, is a big part, uh, unfortunately, of, of what happened last year, of what, or I suppose what we heard about um, last year. And I think that that is what makes this difference, and it 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 does. It, it does lead you to the question of what even is progress, you know, at this point, what, what, what exactly, you know, is this, it's not the same company. It was, you know, three or four years ago. And even, you know, it's most hardcore fans, you know, have to see that now. But I think because of those expectations of that time, because of the sins of the past, I suppose, that I think have been largely left unanswered, you know, the, the you know, by, you know, the, the people in charge of progress either not speaking um, ab- about speaking out at all last year or moving into into jobs with WWE in some cases. Um, I think, you know, th- there's been no accountability with progress um, for, for the sins of the past. And I think at the very least, if they're, if they're going to attempt to continue to run and attempt to, you know, to reboot it, you know, can continue to run as progress. Like you said, you expect them to be, you know, at least squeaky clean going forward. And we don't even have that. So I think that's where it gets a bit more personal than this just being, you know, another another WWE company that, you know, we expect the standards of, of WWE from. It is all kind of mixed up in, you know, what happened um, over the last few years, you know, what was overseen by progress management and and then yeah their, their lack of action now um it just it doesn't all add up and it just yeah it does leave you um lacking i suppose as to any kind of accountability um for for what this company was the bit that struck me about the uh second statement i think it was was the oh yeah well we asked all the wrestlers and they all said it was fine <sighs> Yeah. And when you look at this roster, it's like 18 to 20-year-olds who, you know, there's no other wrestling going on at the minute. They bring them in. It's like, oh, you can tell your mum and dad that you're on WWE Network and, you know, we're going to be paying you X amount of money and that. I mean, it's going to be hard for someone, isn't it, way to say, oh, well, mm-hmm. I've got a problem with this guy working backstage. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, like reading all this stuff kind of like um, after the fact – was like me having to like sort of play memento and figure out why progress felt the need to mention that it was wrong for them to talk about the, uh, like, um, the opinions of, of its roster, um, in its last statement. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they basically, they apologized for like, they said it was a wrong time to like, um, you know, uh, talk about the opinions of our, our roster. I'm like, huh, that's a kind of an odd place to put something like that. And of course you can understand why after seeing the full story. Um, but you're right. Like it's something that I, I don't think maybe I think about that much is just how young this roster is watching a show like the one we're about to talk about. And uh, that certainly plays a huge part into, I think, all of this and and, and really the demand for transparency, because um, there are several uh, very young people that that are uh, in this company. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you can't it's it kind of goes two ways, that, because I think on the one hand, yes, these are these are young wrestlers being given an opportunity to be on a product that's going to go on WWE Network. It can't fall on their shoulders to be the ones to to shout. Um, but also, you know, I, I mean, what shouldn't get lost in this story is that you know the allegations against Paul Robinson are, are to to do with a fan, not to do with a wrestler. Um, and you know, it can't. Unfortunately, I think what we found is you know the the wrestlers didn't um, take issue with that, but that can't be where the book stops. Like, uh, I think that's probably key to why 
Progress mentioned that in their statement is that they got a lot, a lot of pushback. You know, the wrestlers found their voice finally uh, when it, when it, when they felt like Progress had kind of dropped them in it, and and in their previous statements, you know, intimated that you know it was almost their responsibility to to, to say something rather than it being Progress's responsibility to to do anything uh, or to you know to make the make a, a decision themselves. And I think that's that just speaks to how amateur hour this entire thing is you know how just how yeah i mean yes progress put safeguarding documents on their website yes they you know employ a safeguarding officer now but what this said to me is that you need more than that you need real professionals out there who don't come cheap um and professional agencies and groups and charities that that deal with this type of stuff um that can put together a proper vetting and safeguarding um process and can make proper safeguarding decisions about you know who can be used at shows and you know in, in cases like this where you know there, there may not be let's say it might not be a criminal matter as much as we might morally object to that, but it's a it's a matter of safeguarding of fans and of, of safeguarding other wrestlers. That's where that decision probably shouldn't be left to the wrestlers, and definitely, you know, I think we we found as well can't even be left to the people who are, who are in charge of progress. Um, maybe they're not qualified to to make these calls either, and it just kind of speaks to you know we can, we can say on the one hand, well, you know, they're, they're tied to WWE, so therefore, you know we should probably expect WWE standards. But I think once you are tied to WWE and they are the biggest wrestling company in the world, I think you can probably expect a level of professionality that we, we just didn't get um, in this story one bit. Yeah, because um, a few days after Progress's final statement, Paul Robinson posted his own statement on the new Progress fan group on Facebook, basically saying that, um, and he did mention the girl's name many times, which I thought was out of order. Um, he became he had become close with the girl who had made the accusations, but that he never plied her with alcohol and that he'd, he'd told the parents after she told him some of the things that had been happening with the promoter and the wrestlers. Um, but I suppose as well as the, the Paul Robinson story, um, you know, we also had the news that, you know, there was the rumour that Marty Skill, um, you know, a report was out this month that he'd done some kind of angle with Rocky Romero on the New Japan shows in the USA. Um, but then another report uh, a couple of days later said he wasn't part of these tapings. And um, I suppose on, to add to that, do you think um way that people are going to slip through the cracks and it's sort of like on... It's on you as a fan to make a choice or voice your displeasure with this stuff, and that wrestling's just going to wrestling. I think the audience will always um, speak for what what their appetite might be, and that's going to be different across the board. But I mean, with you know situations like this, I, I there even the employment of of somebody like a Marty Squirrel will elicit some very very strong reactions from from people. And um, that, I think, will determine, you know, the, the overall audience's appetite. I'm like, it, it's it's um, I, 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 I think in, in, in some situations, like a company like New Japan might really underestimate how much something like that bothers uh, people. And, you know, uh, really, I, I guess it's it's dependent on you can, you can definitely argue that like companies in charge of professional wrestling should be more aware of how the, what the temperature in the room might be. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I also think like some element of like personal relationship probably has to do with it. 
you know, like people who are friends of, of people that are accused, maybe thinking that, uh, you know, like we, they could be hired and that it won't come at, at such a detriment to, to their overall business. But clearly, um, judging by that story, judging by the one we just talked about, um, it's still a very serious issue that has not yet been properly addressed by several companies. So I, I do think ultimately it's up to the fans to remind these companies what they are comfortable with and what they aren't. Yeah, I think that's what happened here specifically is that, yeah, it shows that, you know, it's not just, you know, bands being loud for the for the sake of it. It it shows that it's not fruitless. If if you feel strongly, you know, about somebody like Marty Scale returning to wrestling this soon after the allegations came to light and you make your voice heard. I think in this case, you know, that voice was listened to. Um and, you know, anyone who saw that episode of New Japan Strong will see how quickly, you know, the end of that show it kind of just ended. Um, it was almost like you know, like a fade to black because they literally went in there and cut out the Marty Scale um, segment because of you know the the fan pushback afterwards. It shows that even you know in the in the in the absence of you know any kind of real over overseeing body in a world where as Way says there that you know wrestlers and wrestling people are gonna kind of want to use their friends and, and people that they're, they're friendly with and maybe even have a, a little bit more or sympathy for, for a marty scale in a situation than, than any of us of, of fans will have fans do still have the voice to, to hold these people to account and yeah i think that's what we found in that story and the marty case is one where you know it's a difficult one this is where you need professionals involved because you know even personally you know, i there's absolutely no way Marty Scale should be should be near you know a, a New Japan show at this point. In, in my personal opinion, am I qualified to say whether Marty Scale should ever wrestle again? Probably not. You know, maybe that's a decision that that needs to be made at some point. Um, but that's that is where you need professionals involved. But in in lieu of that, I suppose it it's left to to loud fan voices. Um, and I would say, yeah, in this case, the loud fan voices led to. Uh, the right decision um, being made by New Japan, which was was refreshing. So the Progress um, Show Chapter 105, uh, we'll talk the most recent one that was screened on WWE Network this past weekend. And, you know, it saw the finals of the National Progression Series and um, a women's Thunder Bastard match to uh, headline it. And rather go through it match to match. Um, I mean, way surely you're the target audience for this progress on the WWE Network. Anyone sort of like who already likes it will already be watching it on their on-demand service. Surely this is to bring new fans in. And um, I just wanted to get your overall opinion on the show. Is there anything that stood out to you in the presentation and, and the wrestlers that were featured on it? So I, I, if honestly, if I'm the target audience, it, I don't know how great of a job it did. Number one, making me aware of this stuff even being on. Like if I wasn't doing this job, if I wasn't, you know, uh, friends with you guys, I I don't know if it would be on my radar. Um, I don't recall seeing any ads for it. Certainly not on Raw or SmackDown. I don't even know if uh, on NXT they would have made any mention of this. So it's really just like if you happen to be the type to randomly scroll the WWE Network and you might see a progress logo then you might find out if you browse maybe certain news sites that might make mention of it then yeah you would be aware but otherwise you wouldn't know so um you know as far as like the my enjoyment of the show um you know this i could tell just from uh watching it that this was very much a maybe a kind of like a rebuilding phase for progress um not very many uh established names on the show 
And um, I will say I, I was impressed by the production element. You know, I think progress has always been top notch when it comes to like just making hip artistic production graphics and just uh, branding really far cooler than most of what you would see in North American TV promotion. But um, the rest, the match, the, the actual show itself, this was in, in an empty arena, of course. And so um, I understand like, this was probably a really difficult show for this company to put on. Number one, for all the reasons that we had just talked about on, on the show, but number two, due to COVID protocols and, and everything else. So I, I cut them a lot of slack uh, in that regard because this just simply producing these shows might have probably would pose its own, you know, a great challenge. But I can't really say that the shows were must see in any way. Um, I enjoyed several of the matches. Um, but I enjoyed several of the standout performers, as we'll talk about. But I don't know if there was anything coming out of the show that, where I said, man, I got to watch this again next week. The thing that stood yeah. out to me, and yeah, um, what you've just said there, way about, like, you know, all the, you know, the COVID restrictions and the no fans and that, but the show opens literally with uh, Roy Johnson constantly pointing out that there are no fans there. <laughs> I mean, have you not watched any sort of like, you know, COVID era wrestling? And that is the last thing you want to be doing on these shows, Benno, surely. Yeah, that's it. I, I, it felt like for me, I mean, why do these shows exist? I suppose is one question, but two, if they, if they do exist, yeah, you, you've got to learn the lessons of, of the other promotions running, running empty arena wrestling. Um, I think for me, I, I think what made made them such a, a tough watch is it just it felt like yeah the people producing it maybe are embedded in maybe one particular way of doing MT Arena wrestling and haven't suppose learned from from those other companies. But yeah, I think it, it is that it's that it just didn't feel like it had any energy or agency behind it. And I, you know, the the last the the, the two progress shows that have that have gone up on the network so far and there's a third coming this weekend obviously the first show was you know the day that came out uh, at least on on the brit rest side you know all people could talk about was the paul robinson story and anything that happened to ring kind of got dwarfed by that but even you know the second show i think what it gets dwarfed by is it's the ghosts of the past it's it's the fact that these kids and i don't use that word lightly on this show have been put into such a such a difficult position you know they're having to live up to the the progress name of the past you know they're still using the chapter branding they're still you know treating this as you know a, a progress chapter show rather than maybe you know treating it as maybe something different or even just doing a whole rebrand and, and not even calling it progress anymore because it isn't progress you know the, the like I say the ghosts of the past are, are all over this thing and yeah you, you said there you got roy johnson trying to do budget jim smallman and it's not his fault but he's not up to the task i don't think the commentary team are I think commentary team were out of the depth. Um, the the brand new commentary team of, of you know two lads who, in my in my knowledge, haven't done a huge amount of commentary in the past. Certainly not together or on a stage this big. So they're set up to fail. And I just think yeah, that the wrestlers as 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 talented young promising wrestlers as they are on this show that might look good on a a title show or a breed show or a future shock show or something of that level. They're being asked to fill some pretty big boots, um, as far as this being a, a progress show and the and the weight that does still, you know, come behind that name. And yeah, for me, I just think it all in all, uh, 
the the talent in the show to be clear you know aren't the ones to blame uh have very much been been set up to uh, to fail in this regard I, I I certainly found it found sorry sorry Martin um just to kind of latch on Benno's point I certainly found it odd that it was like these particular shows that they decided to put on the WWE network mm-hmm. for their first go and I don't know if they had much choice in that maybe it was simply WWE saying like hey we need more content uh now's the time give us your next ones but like without any sort of like I guess like you would think that they would uh, at least lend some sort of like you know somebody with like bigger name value like maybe from a UK NXT UK you know to to do some of these shows if that's even possible, but yeah sorry sorry Martin oh yeah no worries what I was going to ask you is um, obviously yeah there is a ton of talent that Progress can't use because of you know them being involved in either NXT UK or they've gone off to Japan or whatever. Was there anyone who sort of like stood out to you on this show as being sort of like a really promising talent or anything? Absolutely. Uh, Luke Jacobs, even before I, I saw that he had won won the entire tournament, he looked awesome to me. Like the, uh, what I because I watch so much wrestling, like what I look for these days isn't so much. Uh, I don't know, another AJ Styles or like even another Ricochet. Like I feel like those guys at this point are kind of dime a dozen, you know, your 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 high flying cruiserweight. What you don't see as often is somebody I think like a Luke Jacobs who just seems to just have a very realistic, very technical, hard hitting, uh kind of like blend of like, you know, um like all Japan nineties and and then like, you know, classic kind of British wrestling. Uh, he really stood out to me in both of his matches. He just demonstrated, I think, great pacing and ability to even create breathing room in between his moves really well. Doesn't seem to rush and just felt so incredibly powerful and realistic. So I definitely opened my I definitely opened my eyes to him, and I'd love to see more of him. Yeah, I think him and his tag team partner Ethan Allen are definitely the sort of like two standouts, aren't they, Ben? Yeah, definitely, and. You know, that's music to my ears to hear, you know, uh, someone as esteemed as Way talking about Luke Jacobs, who, you know, he's someone who was kind of, him and, him and Ethan were kind of secrets in, in the Northwest wrestling scene until, I suppose it was this time last year when they, they went out to Germany and, and got to do their big match on, on 16 Carat weekend. And they had the the well-regarded, there's a there's a shoot style match, I'd say, as well, we're checking out Way, like a, you know, a, a kind of... Um, you know, the blood sports style uh, match between the two of them. They had on a, on a Tetsujin show over here that kind of got their name out there. Um, and they are, yeah, Luke Jacobs is someone who, I, I think the, the, the comparison that always comes up is Daniel Bryan, you know, yeah. in, in kind of the way, the way he's built and just kind of the way he approaches wrestling. Um, yeah, those two are, and again, the issue is, you know, we're talking about, you know, Luke Jacobs is someone who in a different Brit res, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, wouldn't be in this spot. And that's where I worry. I worry a little bit that, you know, someone like him we're gonna be expecting a lot out of and at this very, very young um stage in his career. Um but yeah, him and Ethan Allen are, are, were absolutely, you know, the, the 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 bright possibilities uh in Northwest wrestling. And you know, I was, you know, as we talked about Martin in this show about, you know, those Rev Pro shows, uh, him and Ethan Allen were were, were just for me, would be locks to appear on those shows, and I was shocked Rev Pro didn't use them. I worry a little bit about Progress using them because you know the two wrestlers who I want to see go to Japan. I want to see them, you know, travel the world and get better and better. I don't want them to be, you know, Tyler Bated to uh, to NXT UK, and in three years we're wondering what happened to Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen. Um, but the, the potential salad tossed on him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, the potential's all there to see. But yeah, that—that's what I worry about. Yeah, turning up on Noam Dar's couch. God, let, let's hope not. 
Well, it's not even like, you're not even sort of like thinking with sort of like a Luke Jacobs, like, oh, of course, you know, he'd be great following Gabriel Kidd and being a young boy in New Japan, but even him like sort of like doing a Chris Ridgeway and appearing on Noah shows and things like that, I'd be much better, I think, for him as his development as a wrestler than, you know, automatically signing a, you know, a contract with NXT UK and immediately getting lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that- yeah, but but again, in the, in this world as we are, yeah. he gets off with an NXT UK contract. He's probably going to say yes, isn't he? You know, with uh, there not being a, a huge amount else out there. Um, but I, I mean, I do want to yeah, want to stress that like I, as much as I again, I, I did I did feel a little bit like the the presentation and the commentary kind of da- dragged down what what Luke and Ethan could do. They were a highlight for me from the show. I think that you know from from this second show. I think that match and and Cara Noir, Chris Ridgway, you know, was a was a good match as well. Um, it, it's not like the talent weren't trying, you know, on these shows, and it's not like we didn't get, you know, uh, some good work uh, in amongst the uh, the rest of it, where uh, maybe some of the the other wrestlers on the end of the card maybe struggled to to live up to uh, to what was expected of them on this show. Well, I've mentioned them a couple it, of times there, but NXT UK is. Um... Wait, is this um, a show you've ever checked out before? I just wanted to get your uh, brief thoughts on the brand. I mean, obviously, me and Benno, you know, don't see why it exists in the first place. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> some, some of you, is, it, is it a show you've watched before, before I force you to watch it for this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I have watched it. <laughs> I, I I have watched the like matches on it. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Dragonov Walter. Um, obviously, like uh, some other standout matches. Um, but I don't know if I've ever sat through an entire episode. As big of a fan of Dave Mastiff as I am. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's an hour investment. It's certainly uh, not that much. Now, um, like, do I need it in my life? Probably not. I, I, I mean, it's it's just there's already so much out there. And does this show really add any sort of value? It's not not in, I would say, a WWE fans kind of typical uh, schedule outside of, I think, the major hooks of, you know, a Walter match or in this case, a Mako Setamura match. So I was definitely very interested in watching this particular episode uh, with its main event, which I thought they did a relatively decent job of setting up in the in the i even like watched you know mako's debut i saw some of the press conference stuff like i'm just like she to me is that much of a kind of breakout attraction that i'm willing to like cherry pick the show to see her segments yeah i think a lot of fans were feeling that weren't they especially when she made a debut and then certainly this time around because it did have a good build for this one you know you had sasha banks and bailey talking it up at the start and you know did it really make it feel like um, a big deal obviously her um Facing off against the NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray, who did really good, and obviously the match was really good. But um, and I thought they worked really well together. But um, I just found it a bit weird how it's only a second match, and you know they're building her up to be this world beater, and you know in a debut, and then this one, and she seems to fall at the first hurdle, Benno. Yeah, that that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's it, it's speaking of the ghost of progress past. I mean, yeah, when Miko Satamura was in progress, she wasn't particularly well utilized considering you know her level. You know, I think there was all those stories, wasn't there, about her, you know attending progress shows as a fan while she was working Fight Club Crow. In the, and in the meantime, you know, some of the those uninspiring Ginny and, and Tony Storm matches were, were taking place on, on Progress's biggest shows. And then when they did get their hands on her and start to use her, it, it never really felt like they, they fully got what they had. Um, I think you're right. I think, the, I think the positive you can say about 
her usage um, on these shows is, you know, using those videos and having main roster people and, and the likes of Tony Storm come out and, you know, put over what a legend she is. Um, she absolutely, you know, similar to, you know, to, to Walter um, in NXT UK, Miko feels like someone who, who might well be NXT UK proof. Um, she might be somebody who, rather than this be, you know, for the most part, NXT UK is kind of just yet another cookie cutter hour of WWE television. Um, but, you know, Walter, I think, breaks that mold. And I think Miko could break that mold as well as, as something different that, that works within this system. But yeah, you know, as much as I enjoyed this match, you know, I gave it uh, 3.75 stars on Grapple. I could have gone four. And that says a lot, you know, for, for, for empty arena wrestling. Says a lot, you know, of, of how good Kaylee Ray is as well. I did come out of it just scratching my head. It's like, yeah, match two. Miko's already lost. Where'd you go next with, with, with her in NXT UK now? Um, it's kind of that like old adage, isn't it? Oh, yes, they're, they're booked into a corner. Yes, they, you know, I suppose Kaylee Ray had to go over in the circumstances, but you also didn't have to book the match. You know, at least now, uh, it could have come a, a way down the line. Um, and yeah, that, that's what, it. That's that's the problem. What circumstances do you speak of that, that she would have to win? Um, just because they want to keep the belt on Kaylee Ray, I suppose. Um, you know, it's it, it's one or the other, isn't it? It's either it's either it's either you, you go all the way with Miko and make you a champion, and maybe maybe that's yeah, maybe that's the solution. You just do that, and you make a champion, and you have a kill everybody um, on this roster for a while. Maybe that's the better solution. Yeah, I suppose like that in itself poses a question because like, is this roster deep enough for her to have like sort of like a big run where she just basically tears through everybody? Uh, or do you get more value? I suppose, like from their thinking, what I, my perspective is that they they probably think that they they need as many top level women talent as they can, and rather than I guess extinguish Kaylee Ray right off the bat, they maybe feel like Satomura will still have interest coming out of this. Uh, therefore, they could tell a longer story with her chasing, perhaps. Uh, but you know, you run the risk of like diminishing like what value Satomura has coming into this this program. Mm -hmm. um, so really, it, I think it, it largely comes down to like the follow-up. But like what are some other, even other programs like that you guys would like to see involving either of these two? I'd certainly love to see a smash through Ginny, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, they've certainly got, um, you know, a, a fair amount of, of people that she could have worked with, you know, where we're sort of like they seem to be signing, you know, people who've, been on the scene for a year, you know, there's a, you know, Leah James, who they just signed, she hasn't been around Brit Rest for that long, Danny Luna hadn't been around for that long, you know, Nina Samuels, I know she's been around for a bit longer, but, you know, she's just been around the next to UK, you know, there's a, what about having a program against Viper before the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. before mm. the, it just seems like, you know, from debut to champion match, it just seemed a bit quick for me, but I, I do get mm. your point there, way that, you know, what, you know, what other programs is there for, really? You know, they haven't really built up any other women. I mean, the only ones who really get TV time are, are Ginny and Viper, Bennett. Yeah, I think that's what you'd want, wouldn't you? You'd want to maybe go the route of she dominates for a while. And yeah, you know, some of those lesser uh, women on the roster, she beats them. But then, you know, if, if you book this promotion competently, which is kind of my, my you know, I worry about that with NXT UK, but, you know, in a competently booked promotion, you know, you build up someone like Emilia McKenzie, you know, and, and, you know, at some point down the line, she can beat Miko, you know, that's, I suppose that's a, that's a route you could go. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing I don't, 
I don't trust in the booking. I don't trust in the follow-up. I don't trust in, you know, again, seeing Miko handled by these these same people in uh, in progress. I, I just don't have a huge amount of faith um, that, you know, that they'll put this right or that, you know, this was a minor blip. Um, I do worry, yeah, where they go from here. Uh, wait, did you have a chance to uh, check out Bailey Matthews, someone who uh, do do uh, you know, <laughs> adamant isn't William Regal's son? He, he sort of made his debut losing to Tyler Bate. Uh, not a bad showing, I thought, from Bailey. I mean, WWE must have high hopes for this guy, even if they because it's weird because they usually do like to talk about sort of like second generation stars, but for whatever reason, they're uh, you know really shying away from admitting that he's William Regal's son. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to watch the match, but I've heard you guys discuss it. Um, and I, I mean, I could only imagine they, they want to uh, keep that lineage separate to number one, maybe because uh, maybe out of their own personal requ- request, perhaps, or number two, maybe they don't think um, it's a big enough deal <laughs> to be promoted as Willem Regal's son. I, I, I can't really say, but I, I'm more willing to think that maybe it's, it's something that they want to. Maybe they just want to have the guy be promoted under his own wing rather than uh, like he's going more the Brian Christopher route, at least to start, perhaps. That's true. Well, Way, you're um, you're a very busy man and uh, we really appreciate you coming on on the show this month. Um, You know, we'll we'll let you we'll let you get off as we get into other bits. But yeah, really, thanks for coming on. And obviously, happy birthday for this weekend. Uh, what, What are you going to be doing to celebrate? Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, having a tour of a potential uh, Chinese restaurant for a, uh, as a sort of a family dinner gathering place for uh, later on this summer, provided that things are able to open up uh, for a, a wedding, actually, that I'm taking part in uh, scheduled for this summer. So who knows what restrictions are going to be like by then, but I, I have a tour at least. So I'll be doing that. Right, excellent. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, good luck with all the wedding prep and everything. And yeah, and then just to reiterate, hope you have a great birthday this weekend. Yeah, obviously, um, speak for Benno as well. Really appreciate you coming mm. on. Obviously, you're you know one of the most well-respected voices in wrestling out there. So we always appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Oh, thanks, well, thank you so birthday. much. Thank you, thank you, guys. And I, I also want to say, like, honestly, it's uh, it's 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 such a pleasure for John and I to have your voices on our network because you guys are so careful and so eloquent in the way you can handle uh, whether it be, you know, technical details of a match. And, and Martin, you're a fantastic host. Like you really are. I don't, I don't know if enough people are say that, say that about it, but like, you know, to, to navigating very difficult topics, like speaking out, uh, you guys do a fantastic job. So thank you for being a part of post wrestling and, and for having me on your show. Oh, thanks. Way. It's a huge honor. Yeah. Huge honor. Stop it. Stop it. Way. Yeah, but... <laughs> If he goes oh, wait out. Wait till the next up next game. I'm taking all that back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you were ruthless in that last game. Way. I think uh, I think our, our mate Steph Chase is still fuming about uh, the way you unceremoniously got her kicked off that show. Oh, it, all, it got ruthless, man. It, it became every man and woman for themselves. I didn't last much longer than she did, so <laughs> that's good. on all of us. <laughs> all right, boys. All right. Talk thanks to you soon. Thanks a lot, mate. See you later. See you, away. Thanks. Yes, obviously, huge thanks to Way for joining us there. Um, but um, just to get into the other big company in the UK, Benno, uh, Red Pro, obviously their promoter, Andy Cullen, did a live Q&A on the Red Pro YouTube the other week. Um, 
the big announcement coming out of that was following the government guidelines, they'll be doing a huge UK tour over the summer and beyond. Uh, I think it's fair to say the big dates for that one were a return to Victoria Warehouse in Manchester on the 21st of August and then the two two York Hall dates on the 19th of September and the 21st of November. I mean, before we get into any of the other points, Ben, I mean, it's the show themselves. I mean, thoughts on this? I mean, it all sounds good. You know, coming from the promoter, it's a big tour. I mean, lots of the old South Side towns thrown in their smaller shows. I'm sure they'll do okay. But like two York Hall shows and that Victoria Warehouse is a big old building, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I suppose it. You know, listening to Andy Quilden's Q and A and uh, his interview with Will, I suppose the uh, the idea might well be. You know, they're being very cautious. And if 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 we can't return to you know to full capacity venues, which might well be the case even post June, who knows? Um, with the shower in charge, um, you know, they, I suppose they've got the room then, haven't they? You know, big rooms um, that you don't necessarily. You know, you have the space to maybe go half capacity and maybe still, still get a bit of a bit of profit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's encouraging. Um, you know, I'm getting, you know, the Manchester show. You know, that's that's one I've got circled on my calendar tentatively but you know <laughs> both from a COVID point of view and a you know a, a trust point of view of these promotions in general i'm keeping it at arm's length you know i'm not running out and buying tickets right now um certainly you know that you see you know it's not not even just rev pro the likes of you know tnt extreme wrestling in my neck of the woods and other promotions uh announcing shows coming back how many times we've been this in this spot in this spot martin you know in this last six months and then these promotions after after rain it back in this feels a little bit more you know promising considering you know where we're allegedly going to be as a country post June, but you know, I take it all with a with a massive pinch of salt. Yeah, because um, obviously there were a number of points raised on that uh, Red Pro mm-hmm. Q and A. Um, they put, I'll just go through some of them quickly. Um, they put the uh, show lineups will be announced as early as possible. Um, matches may not be announced, but everyone appearing will be published ahead of the show. He also noted that. Um, Himself, Andy Quilden, is the only person who sort of agents the matches and uh, the whatever ring crew he uses will be mostly used from the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, which is obviously his own training school. On an occasion, they might use people from uh, trusted local training schools, obviously, saying that all of them will be bettered. Bettered, rather. Uh, negative COVID test is going to be mandatory for anyone appearing on the show, either in ring or behind the scenes. As far as merch tables, meet and greets go... Um, it's going to, only going to be organised meet and greets from now on, I assume he means sort of like the ones they do for the new Japan guys where you pay £10 and it's before the show rather than it being a free-for-all during the show, you know, during the uh, intermission and what have you. Um, and then they said you might even trial a uh, order online and merch will be brought to your seat. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll bring some <laughs> other points. Oh, my God, the seating in York Hall. I was going to say, yeah. People in the venue don't even know he's supposed to be sat, so it's a (laughs) free-for-all on where he's supposed to be sitting. So, yeah, (laughs) I don't think that's going to go to plan, is it, really? But um, then they also noted that um, a fan's code of conduct is going to be drawn up so that all fans feel safe. Um, They're going to have an official grievance procedure in place. Obviously, he said that, you know, you can always contact him via Twitter or the email if you want to, and that they're going to be doing... um, Was it... Um, the Friday before every show, they're going to be doing um, a Twitter Q and A if everyone anyone's got any questions. And um, mm-hmm. also, the big one I thought was um, if fans are uncomfortable with any announcements on the show, they'll be given a a, re- a full refund. Um, um, no questions asked. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I think I think I can, you're going to echo my sentiments here, but I think it's 
like with any British promotion, like with Progress, Red Pro, whatever, it's wait and see because, you know, just because it seems that it's transparent and all the right things are being said, you know, running out and buying tickets until I think you've got to wait for these uh, promotions to prove themselves first, haven't you? Totally, yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, you can tell, you know, in here and, and Andy Golden talk, he's clearly, you know, listen to the feedback he got you know last year when he was quite forthright about you know uh, speaking out and he made himself available um and you know uh, there were certainly things to to criticize him on on you know as far as decision making goes but for me from the start i think personally thought it should have been welcome that you know uh, one of the biggest brit res promoters in the country was was willing at least to talk and engage and and, and listen no matter their decision. I think it kind of goes to what Wade said earlier about, you know, if if Paul Robinson was, was announced for the Progress show, is that a different kettle of fish than, you know, not, you know, making clear that he's at the Progress show and you're still not going to please everybody. And, it, you know, uh, I might have my own misgivings about, you know, depending on who, who RevPro use going forward. Um, but I will always say, I think it's it's a positive if, if, they are willing one to listen and willing two to explain and at least give you reasoning. You know, it's that whole thing when you know when you're a kid and you're doing you know maths exams for GS GCSE, you get points for your working out, not necessarily your, deci- your decision at the end. Um, and that is that's the case, you know, uh, across the world uh, when it comes to safeguarding companies making decisions like this. It's the case in my own personal job. You know, I, as I've said on the show before, I, I do do yes checks for a, for a living. I've probably made decisions that people wouldn't agree with, but the important thing is backing up that decision and making you know clear why you've made the decision that you make. And then, as in the case of you know Rev Pro here, people can people can at least make their own decision and they can vote with the wallets and they can refuse to watch their shows or attend their shows. And I think it's a good step for Rev Pro to say and for Andy Quilden to say, you know, I'll be available every week and. If you do have an issue with anything that we come out with, you know, refunds will be given, no questions asked. So to me, that's a positive um, that comes from engaging with fans and, and listening to fans, even if, you know, it's not all um, that you want to hear. But again, it's still, you know, still a wrestling company. It's proof will still be in the pudding. I think we've all got to continue to, you know, not give promotions a free ride and, and yeah, hold. Uh, and I'm sure he'd say it himself, you know, Andy Golden's feet to the fire if he, you know, does make uh, decisions we, we, we're not happy with. And, yeah, you know, keep keep these these uh, these companies and these promoters close because, yeah, I think that's, that's something we've learned um, this last year or so. Yeah, I think any sort of, like, uh, British promoter, thinking of running a show should expect to be under the sort of like under a microscope and under you know being incredibly scrutinized and you know i just to echo some of your thoughts there i do think mm. you know a promoter putting themselves out there on a weekly basis if he carries it on and constantly putting himself out there you know it's good this is all good to begin with but he needs to carry this on you know for the rest of the year putting himself out there and answering the questions and stuff like he said every friday on, on a twitter q and a and stuff and I do, mm. I do think it, it does, you know, it does show a bit of promise that, you know, he is willing to put himself out there. I mean, well, there's some, I mean, obviously, a friend of the show, Will Cooling, uh, did another interview with him this uh, past weekend, and they talked a lot about, you know, the, you know, the backlash they had from the interview they did last year, and um, just some of the things they're putting into place for these shows, and you know, whether they'd use my skill and, and the things like that. What, what were some of your takeaways from that interview that you did with Will? Um. Overall, I mean, I'll be honest, I was surprised there wasn't really much, you know, we all saw the 
big reaction to the four and a half hour mammoth uh, first interview. There wasn't really a reaction to it, which surprised me. Um, I thought the more might be made of, um, you know, some of his, his comments uh, in the podcast, you know, talking about, you know, some some of the, you know, the valid criticism that the Red Pro got, some that, you know, clearly, um, in Andy Kilden's opinion, was wasn't valid, um, and he did seem he see, he seemed like someone who was genuinely affected um, by, you know, there was bad reporting. Uh, you know, there was, you know, there were thing pieces out there where people were talking about Rev Pro as the the centerpiece of of abuse in, in British wrestling, and you know, as people who cover this stuff, you know, we we can see the difference between yes, Rev Pro weren't perfect as far as the wrestlers that they used, but as far as you know, where a lot of the incidents of speaking out took place, um, you know, it wasn't there, it, it wasn't, you know, on on Rev Pro shows, um, and some of that wasn't true, and you could tell that that he was clearly because he kept coming back to it throughout the interview, um, clearly, you know, affected by that, and clearly, you know, took. A lot of um, the, the the very vocal criticism on Twitter to heart, and again, I would say you know part of that that criticism was valid. You know, if people had an, an issue with them using Will Ospreay, good on them for you know for vocalising that, and that is something as a promoter he needs to listen to. Um, but again, that was kind of my takeaway that I think he came across as forthright, and uh, it's a wrestling promoter, so you know always be careful. But I do think he came across as honest. Um, you know, in his takes and and his, I think his intent, um, even in that first interview, I think was always good. Even if, and as Will will admit, admit himself, they missed, they did have missteps in, you know, maybe talking in a bit too much detail about some of the specific cases. I mean, hands up, we probably made some of those mistakes as well. Um, you know, when we initially covered speaking yeah. out. It's a, it's a hard, it was a hard thing to cover. Um, you know, not that not that we deserve any sympathy, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, missteps are going to be made. Um, but yeah, I think that I thought that, that was interesting. I. I you know, personally, you know, uh, I, I, I thought a flashpoint was going to be, you know, where he mentions about Marty Scale, and don't get me wrong, he makes he, he makes very, very clear that you know uh, there's no immediate plans to use Marty Scale. Um, I think that that should be you know music to a lot of people's ears. He did say, you know, the, and I, think, I don't think it was just Marty who was talking about. You know, that's the, it doesn't mean. He seems to be someone who's not, you know, of a mind to say never to, to pretty much anything, really. Um, also, you know, if they do change their mind on a case like that or something else, I think it, it is good to know that they'll be forthright and that, you know, we'll know about it um, and that we'll all be able to to make our decisions on it. So, yeah, I thought, you know, I think he was a little bit more guarded um, than the first podcast, mm. um, understandably so. Um, but all in all, I think, he, you know, he's forthright. And I think those those types of conversations, I think, should be encouraged. Yeah, the Marty Skill one was interesting because he did say, didn't he, that there was no current plans to use him and that was a bit... Mm. And I'd be interested yeah. to know if it would be, you know, obviously him and Andy Boy Simmons were big friends, weren't they, whether he's going to come back into the fold in the future. But I suppose, you know, it's just it's just going to be wait and see on that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. I mean, that's, and again, you know, I don't want to, I definitely wouldn't say that there was any kind of allusion to a use of Marty Scale, you know, at any point in the future. I don't think we should, you know, we should make that clear. Yeah. But yeah, he, he does seem to be someone like, yeah, again, like the Andy Boy Simmons case, you know, uh, that didn't come up either. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it's an unreasonable, you know, stance to take to say, yes, you know, maybe, you know, at, at some point, you know, we, we might need to, you know, look at whether, you know, we're, 
should people be banned for life um, from wrestling? You know, is that a, is that a decision a, a wrestling company can 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 categorically make? Um, I think yeah, I think that was smart to be honest to say. Yeah, we'll we'll consider. You know, in a few years, um, you know, we didn't want to trip up his words and you know and say something that could be held against them in a few years. He just basically said, yeah, in a few years we'll look at it then. Um, but yeah, you know, and decisions decisions will be you know will be made in the future that maybe not everyone will agree with or will disagree with. I think that was more of a a generic take so yeah again i can't really i can't personally fault that and i think all in all you know like i say the the fourth night or the the conversations about you know where we are in brit res and as to whether brit res is uh is dead or not uh i found those particularly interesting his uh his viewpoints on on nxt uk sounded quite similar to a, a lot of our viewpoints um i i mean i thought yeah you know the speaking out stuff is obviously top of everyone's mind um and the return to promoting is top of everyone's mind but even that stuff i thought was 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 interesting to hear the, the thoughts of a promoter as far as sort of like you know as far as you know, the roadmap for you know, you know, we're taking it with a pinch of salt. The roadmap that isn't actually a roadmap anyway. <laughs> getting out of lockdown is that you know, at the end of June, we'll just be essentially free to do whatever you want. So, as far as sort of like trying to fill York Hall and your Victoria warehouses in Manchester, I mean, surely I'm assuming he did mention like you know, for them to use international talent, it's going to probably have to be that they'll have to come over here for a, a month or so. Because we'll have to self-isolate for two weeks. I'm assuming Shota Imuno will come back over to finish his tour. And do you think we're looking past sort of like your New Japan guys? I mean, I thought someone like a Mike Bailey would be perfect for this role, but it seems like you know since then you know the rumor is that he's AEW banned. Who could you see someone who will be able to come over here and headline these sorts of shows? I think yeah, I think guys of that level, you know, or like a someone I've been wanting to see you know in the rev pro environment like a like a uh filthy tom waller for example you know mm-hmm. someone like him so i think it's going to be those kind of level of guys i think it's all going to be yeah there you go yeah you could see him coming over staying for a month or two doing a couple of trips to germany if there's still an irish wrestling scene making a couple of trips to ireland um yeah, that's. I think that's probably what we should expect. Uh, we're not gonna. I, I can't imagine it being big headline acts, but yeah, it, it'll depend as well on the relationship for Pro Have. You know, as you know, as he exampled in that in that podcast. You know, obviously the New Japan relationship is it appears to still be strong. So I think we can expect some of those guys, like yeah, Shota Umino coming over, but also you know, uh, as he put himself, there's a lot of talent in AEW. You know, guys who appear on Dark every every week or so and don't get many reps on Dynamite. If you know if those kind of relationships can be struck um you know seeing maybe lower card aw talents um you know like a private party that he, that he noted or you know even people like a, a jungle boy or you know pe- people like that who aren't maybe necessarily on every dynamite i think maybe that would be interesting um yeah i think it's going to depend on the relationships maybe that, that get struck up with the with these different promotions to be honest I think it also depends on what Pac's situation is, because I'm sure True. when he finished with WWE, it was him and his uh, family moved back to Newcastle, didn't they? And I'm sure that was mm. the situation. There. I don't know if it's changed there, but, you know, surely, you know, he could go, oh, yeah, I want to go home and see my family for a couple of months. You know, is, is he? he's not, you know, he's not in a major, major storyline in AEW, so he could sort of mm. dip in. I mean, he has dipped in and out during this whole thing, hasn't he? Yeah, that's it. And... Yeah, it's going to need that, though, because, you know, I, think, I don't think we've been harsh on the, you know, these Twitch shows they've been doing. I think we kind of take them at the level they are. 
But I think we found out without, and again, controversial name on the first shows, Osprey. Those Red Pro shows that have been on Twitch aren't exactly the most exciting. You know, it, it is. It's a. It goes to the Brit Res's dead conversation him and will have that 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 we are clearly in a rebuilding phase and clearly you know it's going to take time to to get people you know up of a level. Um, I, I wonder about yeah you know big York Hall shows and if we, if we can't get the flyings um you know if 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 flights from you know Japan aren't you know readily available and if you know we are in this situation where maybe people have to come come over for for longer periods how do you stack up those big York Hall shows based on on what is left um yeah it's going to be i suppose yeah if, if a pack's still in the country that'd be that'd be an absolute godsend but yeah as far as other big names uh yeah there's a real i think there's an uphill struggle there as far as yeah putting together a, a compelling product that can can fill you know buildings of that size because i suppose your smaller shows like your uh your london cockpits and the likes of that and your uh mm. you know Southampton and things like that, they're they're going to be great for people like Ricky Knight Jr. to sort of like more cement himself as, you know, being a red pro mm. guy and, and, you know, jumping up the top of the bill. But as far as the York Hall show, I mean, it's been proven time and again, hasn't it? They try and merge some of these cockpit storylines into York Hall and, you know, half the fans are like, who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, they're a fault of that too. They don't always make that clear. It's not like we, we get a huge amount of like video production or <laughs> exposition um, on the connection between those shows. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point to be fair, Martin. I think that that tying together of the shows is going to be more important than ever um, in this environment. We can say we've been watching these Twitch shows and we can see the, the bill behind Ricky Knight Jr. has been, been really good. But yeah, is everybody watching these shows? Uh, how do you... You know, make Ricky Knight over so maybe that more casual, bigger audience that that that, that come to come to your call and get to see them there. I think that kind of cohesion is going to be uh, going to be really important. Well, I did find interesting. Sorry, last point on the Red Pro stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he was talking, obviously, you know, pre-COVID, they were, you know, they just started to, you know, run all the old Southside times, and it seems like they were doing more shows than ever. And from a an outside perspective, it just seemed like, you know, they were still trying to build up these towns and sort of like, they seemed like money losers. But as far as he was, you know, when he was saying on the interview, he was saying, you know, that they were really successful and, you know, we were, you know, we were really building something up with that, which was quite surprising to me because it seemed like a lot of shows they were running, especially this tour they're doing over the summer months is, is quite big for a, a British wrestling company, isn't it? Mm, that's it. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll get lost in, you know, when we when we talk about success in in Brit Res, we 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 got more of an eye on like the you know the VOD and a more of an eye on you know the the sh- things that will translate to a to a worldwide audience. You know things that'll get a get a Dave Meltzer watching or things that yeah you know our our friends on Twitter are, are also talking about. We kind of see that as a success, but yeah, I think the especially you know with you know the lack of. I suppose uh, people being able to get out the house this last year. I think that the actual live business sounds like it's a, it's a, it's going to be a continue to be a real lifeblood uh, to a company like Rev Pro. It's almost like those kind of shows are, are what keep the lights on, but you know, you know, artistically and reputationally, you know, what clearly Andy Gordon's got, you know, his sights on on bigger things as far as you know being a, a a company that's respected on a on a worldwide stage. But yeah, it does sound like the reality is to to fund that type of stuff, you you, you do need still need to have a, a good local touring game. It's why, you know, I'll joke about it, but NGW and Mega Slam are probably probably in real in realistic terms. We talk about the Brit Resboom, we don't talk about them. You know, those types of companies that do those killer houses. <laughs> I suppose there's, a, there's an argument to me there, isn't it? That that, that they were as booming 
booming as booming as anyone. Um, and yeah, I think that 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 live market is a is clearly you know still a still a big money winner for uh, for promotions at, at that level that they keep the uh, the lights on at Rev Pro. Yeah, as far as that sort of like you know a couple of years ago, this being sort of like a world beating scene that's completely gone now, isn't it? And I think that's gone for for the next for for the foreseeable future. I mean. Um, your options here is sort of like your local indie shows, some good talent, WWE light on progress, you know, your red pros and that. I mean, as far as sort of like it was the cool thing, wasn't it, for a while and nothing stays cool forever. It's similar sort of like, you know, independent bands, you know, they're not going to say the cool thing. And, um, you know, I think it's safe to say, isn't it, that scene you loved a couple of years ago, that's gone. And, you know, who knows if it'll be like that ever again, because, you know, do, who knows, WWE might get bored and fuck it off. I mean, I think it's up to fans now, you know, outside of speaking out stuff, you know, and keeping promotions on their toes, whether this whole scene is, you know, worth paying money for and fighting for. Yeah, and I think, you know, those that, those progress shows maybe illuminated that. You know, you got someone like Way watching it, and obviously, you know, Luke Jacobs impressed him, but, you know, is that a, is that a show he's going to want to go back and watch? It's yeah. probably not. Um, yeah, you know, we are... And we were already in that position, Martin, as well. Like I think that gets lost before speaking out before the before the the pandemic. You know, it was already happening. You know, live shows as far as progress goes, they were kind of dominated, weren't they, by those yeah Tuesday night graps, Schadenfreude and friends type shows. A lot of a lot of comedy acts that didn't that were great for live crowds, but I I don't think translate to to tape. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean we uh, yeah you know we we found that out on that broker show too. I, I think we are we're, we're back, and I don't think it's lost on I think Quilden being someone who lived through it. Um, the previous you know booms and busts that we've had, uh, it does feel uh, you know for the older ones like me and you, it feels like we're in a position where we were you know ten fifteen years ago where you know. Big flying dominated shows are probably going to do well if you can put them on. You know, shows with young wrestlers that are good for a local audience and for you know the people who live ten minutes down the road or local reviewers like me and you. Uh, you know, they've they've got a place. Um, but yeah, as far as that that Brit res boom of like, oh yeah, the, the latest progress show dropped with these all these dream matches between British guys and these big red pro shows dropped and it was this this cool and and happening scene. Um, it's not there, and we've even seen, you know, the likes of like a like a Riptide. You know, who does who who does a better presentation presentation of what is essentially local wrestling with young wrestlers, and then puts you know a cinematic sheet on it, and you know puts it out there for you know for and puts it in, in I suppose as a, a presentable and, and palatable way as as absolutely anybody can. Um, nobody did that better, better than Riptide, and I don't think that particularly, you know, set the world alight either. So I think we all have got to be realistic going forward. I think it's, it's, it is, it's it's about, you know, I think the next Brit Res Boom isn't going to be like the last Brit Res Boom. I think it's going to be a completely different set of characters. It's going to be a completely different set of circumstances. I think for now, what we've got is, you know, some promising young wrestlers, some promotions that are probably going to run for their for their local town and and do decent as far as live crowds go. Um, but yeah, that that old scene that yeah, you know, that was a, a couple of years ago is is well and truly in the dust. And yeah, this is this is what we've got left. Um, but by hook or by crook, and yeah, I think we all need to uh, maybe align our expectations uh, thusly. And if it bred the horror stories that we, you know, were reading last year, then good, thank God it's in the dust if it was reading that sort mm. of, like, atmosphere True. and things behind the scenes. I mean, you've you fetched up Riptide there. Um, 
you know, we've covered them a, a number of times on the show, and they made an announcement the other week that they've no plans to return anytime soon, that all their titles will be vacated. I mean, um, what were your thoughts reading that? I mean, was it, um, you know, were you like, oh, yeah, you weren't surprised by it? Yeah, not surprised, I think. I think, yeah, um, fresh fresh starts are needed. That, that, that is, you know, what I would have expected a, a progress to do. You know, that, that that is probably what they should have done, if anything. Probably wouldn't even call it progress. It was me. I wouldn't use the chapter names either. Um, but if I'm like a Riptide or someone, yeah, I think we've all, we all kind of just, Want to? Sh- you mentioned that there. You know, the Brit Res boom was, as well as you know, we can say all the positive things about it. It, it was built on. You know, we did the, on Grapple. We did a, a progress kind of rise and fall type podcast on our Patreon. And while you could look at it and go, "Oh, we got this dream match against this dream match," you're almost tripping over yourself, naming name after name after name that was named in speaking out. And those, you know, for lack of a better way, good memories are all, and it's probably right tarnished um by the by the human beings um that were behind a lot of it so yeah i think a fresh start is a good idea a full reboot is a good idea come back fresh come back you know even if you just use the, the you know as a the pandemic is the reason um there's no use you know trying to continue stories that you started last march i think yeah i think reptile have i've gotten that right um but yeah i you know i worry for the likes of them as far as you know you know is the world going to be interested in watching, you know, a product like that with even an even smaller pool of talent than we had even last year? Um, the pessimist in me really questions that. Um, and I think you know, promotions like that who, who clearly have good intentions and there's, you know, some, you know, promotions, you know, around the country, you know, your likes of, uh, of good wrestling and, you know, other promotions, up, you know, promotions up north who are, who are going to have those best of intentions to put on, you know, uh, shows with young wrestlers and try and rebuild the scene. They've got a real, real uphill struggle. I also feel as well, obviously, you know, Red Pro being sort of like the higher, you know, the more higher profile one, you know, with them and Progress being the more high profile promotions in the UK. I, I sometimes mm-hmm. feel like Red Pro are sort of like missing as well, you know, that, you know, obviously, I think Ali Quilden's quite. Um, loyal to like you know obviously it's going to be for the for the wrestlers he sees day in day out and, and the ones who are working hard in in the training school and that's fair enough but then i also feel like he misses out there's certainly a number and i mean obviously you know luke jacobs and ethan allen were you know really you know big misses on not being on those red pro shows but then the likes of will Cruz and things like that you know i i, I kind of feel like they, they need to look further afield than you know what's in their in their back garden yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I, I I I struggle to see how you put on a tournament like they did my last couple of shows. And the thing I'll I'll credit progress with progress with using Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen. Like, how do you not? Like, you've got to you've got to have your ear to the ground when it comes to wrestlers like that. Because you know, and Colden himself joked on that, on that podcast with Will. Uh, you know, give it too long and WWE are going to snap them up. So you've got to be quick um, and you've got to be in tune. And I think that has, that has always been pro, um, Red Pro's issue is that they went, I mean, even when Brit Res was booming, were they ever really the cool promotion? They never really had that kind of, mm. you know, uh, for all its for its faults. And we can clearly point to see what, you know, where the faults were, that guerrilla market and we're all in this together. Progress stuff that we talked about earlier was just, you know, well-branded and, you know, it, it was part of the boom, but I suppose, you know, the counterpoint to that is, you know, Rev Pro have kind of just always just existed. There's this, this kind of standalone wrestling company that they were, they were never a movement. They were just, you know, it was a, it was a ring and two wrestlers and, you know, 
it's professional wrestling and i suppose if if anything is gonna you know wear this storm um it's probably gonna be you know a a, a company like that um it's just gonna depend yeah who they can get the hands on and yeah you know it's gonna depend on the other companies like riptide and a you know a catch pro wrestling up north to to develop wrestlers and yeah for if Rev Pro still still are seen as that company that maybe is that bigger stage than those smaller companies to 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 act quickly and put those young wrestlers on that bigger stage um and put them in the right spots, you know, hopefully with a mix of maybe bigger name talents if they can get them. And it's not just the UK, is it? Because obviously uh, WXW, they've uh, they announced um, earlier this month that they've taped 13 two-hour shows. Um, they've had a total of 50 wrestlers brought in from six countries and um Tapings have started to air on their on-demand service, not the WWE Network, uh, considering the relationship. I found that a bit weird, considering ICW and Progress are on there. But, um, Benno, you normally go over 16 Carat and the Tag League. I mean, have these tapings piqued your interest to uh, check out WXW again? Not hugely, to be honest. No. <laughs> um, I mean, they're in a in the same spot, aren't they? Like, they are, you know, they've resumed tapings with... They've had to do it with a smaller roster of wrestlers, with a fair amount of unknown wrestlers, um, or at least unknown on like a a worldwide stage. Um, I think it's for them. It was more about getting content out there and you know keeping themselves, you know, active and and on the minds of uh, of people. So yeah, I can't, I can't say you know usually personally i know you know the likes of uh in hamilton who does the the lord's way over at back body drop he's uh he's covering uh these shows uh quite closely going forwards but yeah um you know that the, these types of shows the, that that weight of expectation of, of like a big carrot weekend isn't on them you know they are the, the kind of content uh for content's sake to to keep you know wxw uh out uh out in the world and yeah you know I'd commend them for, for for doing it, for giving you know clearly young wrestlers work and you know keeping their production staff going. And you know it sounds like they're not running these running these shows at any kind of profit to to say the least. And I know there's a you know some fan support schemes out there to to buy virtual tickets um, for these types of shows and the like as well. So you know they should be commended for that. Um, but yeah, I think the the main hope is that yeah you know these tapings and they've been very realistic to BXW as far as you know when they can resume doing the the crazy big weekends um you know let's hope it it does lead to a world where yeah they can do that and you know this time next year you know where the those of us who make that journey out to out to germany will will have you know a, a wxw to, to go out and, uh, and travel to and, and we'll have you know a big big weekend this time last year next year let's just uh let's hope we uh we do get to that place well uh, moving even further afield and obviously the uh new japan cup is in full swing and um I mean, it'd be remiss of us not to mention that there was a cracker of a match between Gabriel Kidd and Zack Sabre Jr. this past week. Uh, really good, I thought. And um, I thought what was most interesting about this match that Gabriel Kidd looked really good here. He didn't look like uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s, like, you know, lesser, you know, it wasn't the squash or anything. And I thought these two worked w- really well together. Mm. Yeah, Gabriel Kidd's always been in that position, hasn't he? Where, you know, we, <laughs> it's it's weird for us because we've seen him as a, you know, an active wrestler mm. um, and, you know, as a like yeah, a, I'll be, a push. I'll be honest, I can't say he ever blew me away on the uh, Defiant and What Culture shows I went to watch. I was like, oh yeah, he's pretty decent, but he's really he's really opened my eyes since he's uh, you know become a young boy in New Japan. Yeah, yeah, and he's been willing to you know to strip down to the to the black trunks and you know go through like the the full the full young boy system. But I think this match kind of felt a bit more like yeah, you know, Zach gave him a fair amount in this match, and I think that's 
you know partly because of you know him knowing you know who Gabriel Kidd is and knowing that you know he's a he, he's not just you know any any young boy he's someone who can you know deliver um on a higher level and maybe you know the people who aren't aware aware of him are, are all would uh, would know um so yeah I thought that, that was nice to see to be honest it was kind of yeah he gave him he gave him a lot in this match and he gave him gave him lots of a lots of lots of spots he you know he's never going to win you know in these slots but I think Gabriel Kidd, someone who, you know, we said it last year, didn't we? He's he's someone who's, I wouldn't say benefited from the pandemic, but do J- New Japan, like, you know, a lot of other wrestling companies and not been able to use, you know, as many fly-ins, not been able to stack their tournaments with, you know, with foreign wrestlers. It's meant time and time again, he's getting opportunities that maybe he wouldn't elsewhere. And this felt like uh, another one of those opportunities uh, paying off, um, you know, and a match where, yeah, we got to see him exhibit the the skills uh, that he's got, and, you know, go cold for hold in a, in a technical look at wrestler match with, with a Zach Sabre Jr. And, uh, and yeah, not look, not look at all out of place. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he looked out of place at all, but was it pre pandemic that he was in the LA dojo and then in Japan? I believe so, yeah, yeah, and then he's kind of just been like Zack Sabre Jr., trapped in Japan, <laughs> um, for lack of a better word, since. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Because he's obviously proof that, you know, if you bet on yourself, you know, good things can happen outside of WWE, but then, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, when you're in a global pandemic, you know, it's easy money to sign with NXT UK, isn't it? But um, something mm-hmm. as well that we've got uh, Will Ospreay against Zack Sabre Jr. this weekend that is getting, like, zero hype at all. I mean, this is the first time they've matched up in more than a year. Um, I, I can't see the hype getting to the levels it was sort of like last January, February, but these two always have great matches, don't they? Yeah, you say that. I mean, until I was preparing for this podcast, man, I didn't know that match was happening this weekend. <laughs> um... It just goes to show how cold wrestling is a whole round. I mean, you know, obviously... People, yeah, a lot of, there are going to be reservations about you know watching Will Ospreay wrestle, and that is fair enough. And obviously, you know Zach Sabre Junior. copped a lot of flack for uh, you know being Mister sort of like you know talking up about issues apart from ones that affected you know his friends. Yeah, that is that that is that is always going to you know I, I, and obviously we shouldn't put that on you know I know we wouldn't you know put it on the level of the, the other stuff that came out and speaking out, but it was disappointing, wasn't it? You know, and it was it kind of blew any illusion we all had of Zack Sabre Jr. as like this fighter for social justice or, or you know, however he presented themselves. I think the you know, again, might sound callous, but the brand of, uh, of Zack Sabre Jr. took a, took a real hit. Um, maybe rightfully, rightfully so. I think it's all of those elements, to be honest. It's also New Japan just not being very interesting right now. Like, uh, New Japan Cups never never sets the, the world alight. Uh, you know, there's been a, a couple of uh, good matches, you know, the last couple of days in the New Japan Cup. You know, Sonada managed to pull a little bit of personality out. And, you know, even... <laughs> even well, I want to say, yeah, I know, uh, it, it's Sonata, so, you know, take that with a pinch of salt, but he, you know, at least he, he I wouldn't say he went as far as showing the facial expressions, Martin, but he's, uh, you know, he, he's, <laughs> he showed a little bit of fire uh, this last day or so, but, like, I think for, you know, and, you know, you get matches like, uh, like an Akada Shingo, that'll, that'll spike interest, but New Japan in general just it's not particularly hot right now. Um, that's another one. It wasn't particularly hot before the pandemic either, so it's not just that. Um, but yeah, you combine that with you know people's misgivings about Osprey and misgivings about Zack Sabre Jr. And also this new Osprey character. Um, I just don't think it's fully landing. Um, I don't. I don't know what it is. Like I've, I, I, 
It seems a kind a bit of phony, doesn't it? I mean, I know yeah. obviously all you know, most wrestling yeah. characters, you know, are phony, and that's not the true person. But the best wrestling characters are extensions of the personality, and this just seems as far removed. I, I don't even what it, it's. It just doesn't match with anything that you know about Osprey, does it? Yeah, I just feel like he needs someone, you know, to take him aside and give him a bit of a, advice on how to make. I mean, because some of it I think is overblown. You know, you see him take a silly chop bump um, in a in a throwaway tag, and you know, Twitter's alight with you know, oh, this is a disgrace to wrestling. It's like, come on, he's a he's a whack, he's a he's a heel overselling a babyface mm. hitting him. It's not the end of the world, but it does maybe speak to a bigger issue that yes, yeah, uh, maybe that line of 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 maybe you know where being this overblown wacky character and being a serious top line heel act um where there is something a little bit missing um you know he's not you know jay white had you know similar issues early on you know with his heel character until you know he, he got a handle of it and and you know now is a you know really really accomplished heel you know to the surprise of uh of a lot of people myself included um but yeah with osprey i don't know i i think I think he's almost better. He is better as a babyface. I think that's the type of wrestler he is. And I know there are people listening to this podcast who are probably never going to cheer for for Will Ospreay ever again. Um, but just looking at it in the cold light of day, as far as a, as a New Japan talent, I think that's as that's clearly his best role. Um, and yeah, I think personally, I think this uh, the looking at this heel run is maybe a way to establish him as a almost top level guy, and then maybe the full trigger gets gets pulled when you know eventually he does turn back face again but yeah just something about it's just not quite clicking maybe maybe when we get a return to big crowds and more vocal crowds we'll we'll see uh, uh i suppose a better example of of what he can do in this character but yeah right now he's another one in a long list of things new japan are doing right now the the likes of the push of evil you know the push of of sonata who i mentioned before and just generally you know some of their strange decisions that just aren't quite clicking um and yeah i think you know when things go right uh they, they all seem to go right but when things go wrong i think in new japan right now just everything seems to just be wrong right now it just it's got the feeling of an off and somewhat stale promotion and i think yeah you know a match that otherwise uh, we'd all be very excited about this weekend is is one that's kind of barely on the radar at the moment mm. yeah it'll be interesting to see where it sort of like ranks up with the sort of like really good matches they had last year and previous to that so yeah it'll be interesting <laughs> to watch that one um, yeah, something I meant to bring up um, earlier, especially talking about NXT UK, obviously, you know, it, with the, you know, potentially Britain being completely open during the summer, and obviously there was supposed to be that Dublin uh, NXT UK takeover, um, which always sounds dreadful when you say that out loud. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, can you, could you see like a WWE or maybe an AEW sort of like, well, especially a WWE rushing sort of like a takeover event over here in the UK just because they can if we're ahead of the rest of the world and yeah, you know, we're, we're a place where you can do that. I could see it happening. Mm. Um, obviously AEW had big plans to come to the UK um, and New Japan had big plans to, to return to, to the UK and, and do another Royal quest. It's going to depend on that. Yeah. What, what are you legally allowed to do? Maybe that'd be easier though. You know, a big company with the right contract contacts probably can, you know, more likely get away with, you know, Rather than no, yeah, you know, if you've got enough money, you can do whatever mm. you want, basically, can't you? I think that was proven during the That's pandemic. Fair. You know, when you know when you saw these celebrities flying here, there, and everywhere, <laughs> and you were like, "How is that even possible?" But yeah, I think you know, yeah. certainly an AEW could probably you know fly a, a bunch of the guys over here with no problems. I think. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I think if we if we really are opening up past June, wouldn't shock me. Yeah, to see a big AEW or big big New Japan or yeah, dare you say it, a big NXT UK show at some point this this year. It's definitely not uh, um, far from the realm possibility. Did you see it doing big numbers? Say they did um, a big sort of like takeover in September, and you know, obviously it'd be far easier for WWE to do it because all the guys are based over it. But and they mm-hmm. sort of like did another, they, they rushed another Dragon off to be Walter match together. Do you think? Do you think you know there'd be um, a big demand for it? It'll be uh, it'll be Dragon off Sam Grabwell now, man. You know that that's the latest storyline on NXT. Dragon off can't believe the the violence that comes at his at his own hands. Uh, stop me if you've heard that one before on on NXT TV. Uh, <laughs> NXT TV. Uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, yeah, agents of the year. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think they'll try. Um, I suppose if we're all star for big live events, maybe it'll work. You know, if they're if they're the first to to get to do a big show like that, maybe they'll do better than yeah the likes of us us miserable old sods are, uh, would expect them to do. Yeah, I could see that happening. And uh, just before we head out of here, and sorry, I know you wanted to talk this story at the top, but um, just before we head out of here, um, ICW are going to be doing an old cage <laughs> show to be shown on the WWE Network. I mean, uh, Jeff Jarrett was only there for a one shot, but he certainly had a big influence on the company. An all cage show for uh, ICW. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is in fact Martin a thing that is happening. What's the show called again? It's called. It's got like a really dodgy name. Oh, I can't remember. Um, it's on the network, it isn't it? Like, well, it just seems like as much as sort of like we're talking about British wrestling, sort of like and no one's that like, interested in it. And it's just something that you know WWE pumping money into, and it's going on the network. I mean. I see W, they're getting no scrutiny about, you know, they're doing all these tape shows. There just seems to be no scrutiny on them in terms of speaking out, as far as I've seen. And they're just doing these weekly fight club shows on WWE Network, and it's just, that is a thing that's happening. Speaks to what Way said earlier about, like, you know, this story doesn't always travel. Um, I don't I don't know if, they, yeah, the, the, the ICW side of it's traveled at all. Um, or that, you know, the people who are you know, still fans of ICW particularly care. Um, the show is called Bard. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, ICW should be Bard. Um, that's one thing. I can't believe they're still running, to be honest. I can't believe there's still something, you know, that they, they consider worth going on the network. I, I think that's going to be something to watch, though. Like, they're, they're rushing this show out. The other progress show is is coming up this weekend, the time of recording, all in the midst of this whole you know, big Peacock controversy with WWE and, you know, how much of the actual content is going to, you know, be on this new version of the WWE Network in the in the US. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, if that's the case, and say, you know, an ICW or a Progress isn't content that they can use on the on the Peacock streaming service, do they even keep it around? You know, is it is it is it worth even the money then just to have it on the the international um, version of the WWE Network after this? This whole progress on ICW to WWE Network story had so many stops and starts, didn't they, man? It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I don't actually think it's all rosy either because it's been very odd, you know, that this ICW Bard show showing up out of nowhere and, you know, the progress shows, what was it? It was two in a row. Um, and then the, sec- the second chapter show had Roy Johnson talking about, oh, yeah, you know, a few weeks ago. It was like, no, it wasn't. It was last week. Um, and then this next show was after, after a weekend off, they're back on again. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of coherent plan um, as far as using these shows. It's almost like, yeah, maybe the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing um, in regards to these uh, so-called indies on the network. Yeah, because the whole Peacock thing, because I thought they'd said now, though, uh, was it with the interview with Brandon Thurston that they are going to sort of like... Within six months, yeah. 
allegedly. That, was the, that wasn't the original of the story, wasn't it? That they weren't they were just going to have the pay per views and things like that, and they weren't going to sort of like migrate. So it would have well, it's like you say, allegedly they are going to put all this stuff over, but you know. I think NBC um, aren't going to go. Oh, yeah, we desperately need progress and ICW on this thing for it for it to work, are they? I, I yeah, exactly. And I think you know it's a really underreported story. You know, from our audience's point of view, listen, if WWE have 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 given all this footage to Peacock and they're not worrying about the network in the US, how much development do you really think the worldwide network's going to get? Mm. How much are they going to you know the limitations of WWE network now? None of them are going to get improved on. Are they going to continue to up- upload the the back catalogue and improve things for you know for their their non priority worldwide audience? I I think we're going to kind of going to get a position where you know this WWE network's kind of not left to rot, but you know is probably going to be a little bit underfunded now and a little bit underloved. Um, and it might not be at the the WWE network that we've. Uh, I was going to say known and loved, and wouldn't go that far, but uh, known <laughs> <laughs> these uh, these last few years. I think I think I really think you know. Although we're not getting directly affected by this, unless WWE do a similar deal with Sky or BT or somebody, um, I do think there's going to be a knock on effect. I think for uh, for European and, and worldwide wrestling fans. Yeah, because it's so interesting, isn't it? Because they aren't going to prioritize it you know the priority is going to be the peacock stuff in 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 the states and yeah you do raise a really good point there are they just going to go well what's the point in having these tapings because they're of no interest to us whatsoever i mean surely this is just a william regal triple h sort of thing where you know that's where the funding's coming from and vince has no interest in this whatsoever so you know he'll he'll quite happily i mean it also talks to where nxt uk winds up as well i mean are they going to be interested in carrying that on as well Exactly. I mean, NXT is development of WWE. It's a developmental brand of WWE, allegedly. NXT UK is the developmental brand of NXT. Progress is the developmental brand of it. Like we're we're getting to like what well, Vauxhall Conference at this point. Mm. Uh, just do, you know, one does Vince? <laughs> does, does Vince not even know it's on his network? Uh, he probably doesn't <laughs> at this point. So yeah, I mean, I yeah, there's no way they make money, you know, off these shows. There's no way these way you know as paltry as they are, these wages that these NXT UK guys, uh, you know, I don't think any of them. Um, uh, you know, paying that amount of money back to the company itself wouldn't shock me uh, if hard decisions end up getting made in the, in the light of this kind of change in landscape. And yeah, do we, getting contact content, keyword being content for your network is, is going to be no longer a, a mm-hmm. business priority to be. Brit Red scene, as we just talked about, is kind of in tatters right now. So you haven't really got to worry about it. An ITV world of sports starting up. Um, there's every excuse there to, uh, to, yeah, to, to, to not fund these things anymore. And it also it'll also be. Have we ever had any subscriber numbers for the, sort of like Europe and the UK? Just kind of the, the, the I think we just get the worldwide numbers as, as a whole. Um, as far as the, as far as that goes, I think it's it's kind. Of, I don't think Brandon Thurston has ever really kind of given us a real breakdown as far as like just the UK. Um, but you know, I can't I can't imagine we account for. I think we're, we're probably their biggest market mm. um, as far as like worldwide numbers go but again the priority is always going to be the us um and yeah i think we're always going to be second fiddle for that and all it's going to take as well as you know a, a bt to go hang on we're not happy about this why is, why is this nxt uk mm-hmm. on your network surely surely that's that's our thing no that was uh, the end of the sky deal wasn't it i mean mm-hmm. they they must have been so pissed off about that when you know they were like they just literally signed that new deal and they were like oh look the network's launching in the uk now 
<laughs> that's it yeah and it was uh it was i mean sky weren't happy were they um understandably um weren't happy in that situation yeah and that's it it's going to be dependent on, on what deals come on up next you know which which of what is going to be the WWE priority? Is it going to be yeah, pleasing BT, or is it going to be pleasing the the, the few hundred thousands, you know, international subscribers they've got on top on top of uh, what they've already got on the on the US end? Um, yeah, it's kind of it's it's WWE, you know, uh, the fans. Uh, as much as they'll pretend the fans come first, they don't. Um, it's going to be whatever deal they can do, and yeah, you know, somebody comes along with a big boatload of money and says, "I, I want to buy your international rights as well," or Peacock decides it wants to go worldwide. Um, you know, if the international network's going to get get forgotten in a, in a minute as well. So there's always always the uh, the possibility of that happening too. Yeah, that is going to be the thing, you know, when the contract is up with BT and BT, and they say, oh, well, chuck us a bit extra money, and BT go, okay, mm. and, and then you might just fuck off the network over here completely, because it's like, the, you know, BT are getting all the main shows, aren't they? And that's all that's what, mm-hmm. what, what is going to matter to them. Totally, totally. And, you know, I think, you know, at last check, the the international, the whole network was doing, you know, I think it's like a million and a half or maybe a little bit more. I think, you know, at least, you know, a million to 1.2 million of that was was domestic, the US, which leaves about, what, 400,000 international subscribers. Mm. Sure, the UK makes up a big chunk of that, but Germany, it's... Probably, that's always been yeah, in that's Germany. That's true, yeah, but it's not a lot of ten pounds, and yeah, BT offers a little bit more. Yeah, I could, I could see that going too. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a definitely an, an uncertain future uh, for the network over here. And um, yeah, just before we head out of here, obviously it was announced on um, on Reminder Raw this past week that um, yeah, we're going to be involved in the uh, post day on April the third, the live going live, Benno. Um, <laughs> we're going to be on the twentieth anniversary of uh, WCW going under. We're going to be talking WCW in Europe, and there's certainly plenty to talk about on that one, isn't there? Obviously, there's that real event tour that was a big success with the uh, title change at Wembley, and then the flip back title in. In, in Dublin, then obviously Mick Fowler losing his ear, famously in Munich. We've got, um, you know, the Hulkamania 94 so, show that I went to. And then obviously, you know, the uh, the Nitros that they did over here. Tons to talk about that one. Really, really hyped to uh, to talk WCW in Europe with you, Benno. Oh, yeah, mate. The uh, the Mamelukes versus uh, the Harris boys at our uh, WCW <laughs> house show in 2001 that I went to. Oh, yeah, that's the uh, 2000. Sorry, that's the that's what I'm looking forward to, Martin, breaking that down. God, if nothing says peak WCW, it's uh, it's coming to, to Manchester doing 16,000 people and uh, and headlining with the Mamelukes and the Harris boys. Um, I think we've both got, haven't we, good and, and bad memories of uh, of WCW in this country. So, yeah, I'm really, uh, really excited to, uh, to be on Zoom with you and part of Postdale. Obviously, yeah. Uh, have me post wrestling hat on, uh, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll join in the rest of uh, those luminaries on that day as well to talk. Yeah, what is it? Exactly twenty years since the uh, the death of WCW um, that weekend. So yeah, there's definitely a a lot of history uh, that maybe people don't even know about that WCW's got in our part of the world. Oh yeah, definitely can't can't wait to uh, chat that. It's uh, always always an interesting time chatting WCW, especially that early nineties stuff. One of my favorite periods in wrestling, and. Uh, yeah, and if mm. Kevin Nash, if you're listening, if you want to join me and Benno, you know the invitation's <laughs> always there. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, obviously, um, for me, obviously, this show, and then uh, Bushby and Thompson, you know, we just did um, a show with uh, our man Neil uh, talking about 
um, Eddie Guerrero, the Eddie Guerrero documentary, which is really good, really interesting going back and, and watching that and seeing sort of like when WWE were moving past this, just talking about demons into sort of like being more revealing documentaries. I mean, it's, it's quite a short documentary, only an hour, you know, obviously I think they'd go more in depth now, but still I, I remember watching that at the time, my eyes being really open to sort of like Eddie's struggles as well as talking about, you know, with the highlights of his career. That was really, really good going back, looking at Eddie Guerrero. And uh, what about you, Benno? Um, obviously doing tons of shows now. You've launched your Patreon over at Grapple. That's it, mate. There's not, not much else to do in a, in a lockdown than podcasts. So I've uh, definitely been uh, filling my boots this uh, this last while. Uh, yeah, for us, uh, obviously we do Grapple Spotlight every Monday. This past Monday, we had uh, Stephanie Chase on, uh, Ms. Dynamite herself, to uh, to talk about uh, AEW and uh, talk about uh, the big revolution show from the weekend. So that's out every Monday. And yeah, as you say, we have got a, a Patreon now, uh, patreon.com slash grapple. Uh, over the last uh, few weeks, we've been, uh, been doing quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we did a, a Ready to Rumble review. Um, I'd implore people to to check out. Uh, we're doing a, a Q&A this week, a couple of weeks ago. I think one that might be of uh, interest to BW listeners, we did the uh, the rise and fall of progress uh talking about uh yeah that that brit res boom period uh, that we alluded to uh earlier and uh when and and, and how it ended uh for progress so yeah if that that type of contact uh interests you yeah patreon.com slash grapple uh and yeah for myself i'm on twitter at benson richard e Oh, yeah, I never plug my Twitter at Bushby01. And obviously, yeah, I know it goes without saying, but, you know, if you uh, like this show, then, you know, it always makes a difference leaving a a review on whatever uh, platform you use. So, yeah, definitely do that if you're a a fan of the show. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for this month. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.